0: Isn't it great to have the life of the kids and everything? Oh gosh, it's wonderful. What a blessing our father gives us. Imagine, you know, watching those kids, imagine what he's thinking about all of us right now, his kids, imagine that, you know? We're gonna finish up chapter seven in Acts today, verses 51 to 60. So, and Stephen is going to show us some things here. He's going to show us the right way to live and the right way to die. So welcome, right? Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Okay. So the question, why are you here today? Why are you really here today? Are, 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 you, are you here to learn about Jesus? Yes. Okay. And then tell others about him? Yes okay i I told the kids this the other day there's an employee at a hospital (laughs) he once said i'm just nobody i'm just a nobody telling everybody about somebody who can save anybody okay that's what we're here for friends we may be nobodies to some people but we know, <laughs> we know somebody who can tell everybody can, not don't we? You know, over the past few weeks, uh, you know, we, we've been going through acts. And uh, let, let's go to the Lord in prayer real quick before we get started here. Father, we just uh, thank you and praise you, Lord, for all that you do. Thank you for the, the joy and the energy of the kids. And uh, thank you, Lord, for all that you are doing. Thank you for opening doors, for guiding us, Lord, in all that we seek and know that you're leading us to, Lord. Guide us this day, Father. May we hear your words. May we hear your heart, Father, through all of this. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. So we've been looking at a great Christian hero here in Acts the last couple weeks. And his name was Stephen. And the Bible tells us that He was one of the first deacons of the church, right? Okay. Yeah, what a life Stephen really lived. What a life. I mean, he was full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom and full of faith and power and all of that. You know, what a life he lived. Are we living that same life? And what a death he died. Hmm. Stephen shows us both the right way to live and the right way to die. And believe me, I'm not talking about we need to go out and get stoned or anything like that. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, You know, I'm talking about standing firm. Standing firm in that foundation that we just talked about. Building our life on a firm foundation of his love. The truth. Build our life on the truth. And as we study Stephen's life, we can see that he has courage. And we can see that we need that same courage. Stephen had courage to speak, to speak out for the Lord. And we can see this in verses 51 to 53 where Stephen called out those Christ-rejecting leaders and Stephen told them, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. Hmm. Sounds like he's kind of spelling out something to them, isn't he? Stephen took a bold stand for the truth. That's what he stood for. Stood strong, an uncompromising stand for the just one, Jesus Christ. Now sometimes, sometimes compromising is a good thing. You know, it can be, and that's true when it's maybe just a matter of opinion or or a personal taste about something. But there's some things, I tell you, that cannot be compromised. And friends, you cannot compromise the truth of God. You cannot. Two plus two will never be five. It never will. And here's another truth that will never change. Jesus is Lord. Amen. <laughs> and we must never compromise that vital truth. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Completely. I, lo- I love the way C.S. Lewis put it in his book, Mere Christianity. Lewis wrote, I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people s- often say about Jesus. You know, they-, they say, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher or maybe even a prophet, but I don't accept his claim to be God. Whoa. Let me tell you folks, that's one thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He'd probably either be a lunatic or something on the level of the man who says he's a poached egg or something. But, but we have to make a choice. You have to make a choice. Either this man and, uh, it, was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up and block him out as a fool. You can spit on him and kill him as a demon as many of those people in that court that day did. Or you can fall at his feet. Fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. Huh but let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about him just being a great human teacher. That's nonsense. And he hasn't left that option open to us, and he didn't intend to, no. Church, we choose to fall at Jesus' feet. We do. We choose to call him Lord and God. Because Jesus is Christ and Lord of all. That's the one and only absolute truth that we need to hold to firm. People's eternal destiny hinges on one question. One question only. What did you do regarding Jesus Christ in your life? What did you do? And that's the truth. And we have to have the courage to speak out about that truth. We do. But where are we going to get this courage? friends? Where are we going? Well, we can get it from the same place that Stephen got it, can't we? You know, courage is something that we need to be looking at. I just read something this morning that uh, there's thousands of U.S. soldiers headed for Syria right now on their way. Friends, darkness is closing. Stephen wasn't standing alone that day and neither are we, neither are we. The Lord stood with Stephen and he will stand with us. And he'll give all of us the courage that we need. So let's ask him for that courage. Let's ask him for the courage to speak out about Jesus Christ. We need Stephen's courage and we need his commitment All of us need that commitment. Some of the things I'm going to say today are going to be tough. They are. Stephen was so committed to Jesus that he was willing to sacrifice everything for the cause of Christ. We see that full measure of Stephen's commitment in verses 54 to 59 where it goes, When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and they covered the, stopped their ears and ran at him in one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the, wit- and the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Hmm. And as they, they stoned Stephen, as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Those hateful religious judges were so enraged at Stephen that they were literally gnashing or grinding their teeth. You know, the... They were so filled with anger, malice, and violence that they they stood snarling like a pack of wild dogs. Ah, Can you imagine that? But you know what? Their intimidation could not break Stephen's commitment. Not once. In that flood of hostility, notice the faithfulness in Stephen bearing witness to the truth. His purpose was not to escape condemnation, not at any price. And he, of course, he probably wasn't hoping to die, but he wasn't willing to deny the truth in order to live. What a testimony. What a testimony for those of us who have to bear witness to Christ in difficult situations. You know that one. (laughs) Stephen knew that the cause of Christ is more important than our comfort. Much more important than our comfort. More important than our safety. More important than anything else in this world that we live in. Many Christians around the world are standing in Stephen's shoes today, aren't they? Today, you know, the Christians in Syria certainly are. The civil war in Syria has brought over 100,000 people to death in war. Radical jihadist rebels fighting against government that's, a government that's controlled by another radical Muslim sect. And the government of Syria has a measure of tolerance, they do, for Syrian Christians. But on the other hand, the rebels, mostly, al-Qaeda terrorists <laughs> you know, they're filled with murderous hatred for anyone who opposes their beliefs. Here's a, a report about a Christian couple named Samar and Liana, where terrorists were coming. You know, they, they, it was hard living in a place where terrorists were coming from other countries. And, and Liana says, these men were saying, we will kill everyone who does not believe what we believe as strict Muslims. And Samar and Leanna uh, are, are their leaders in a boldly evangelical church. Continue, and they continued to meet during the war. The church grew rapidly, even as the violence escalated. And staying in Syria was not an easy decision for Samar and Leanna. The couple knows, as do all Christians, if we've been around at all, in Syria that if, if their country falls into the hands of radicals, Christians will be given three choices. Convert to Islam, leave the country or die, period. That's it. Yet they believe God called them to be his light in that country for as long as he permits. They even told their children this hard truth. One evening they gathered their children to explain the reality of the situation. Leanna pointed to the front door, pointed to that front door and said, look, this door, I look at this door. One day God may allow someone from those terrorist people to come into this room. They will have a big beard and a very threatening faces. They may even have swords. They'll put their swords to our necks and you may see some blood. They will hurt us. We will have pain, but don't worry about that pain. We will close our eyes and we will open them again in heaven. (laughs) And we will be with Jesus singing with the angels. Just tell these people, I forgive you and Jesus loves you. (laughs) Many Christians around the world are standing in Stephen's shoes today, friends. And God wants us to have that kind of commitment here in this church. Friends, we need Stephen's commitment and we need his consciousness. As he stood there facing death, Stephen was fully conscious of heaven that heaven was at hand. And we see the truth in verses 55 and 56, where God's word says this about Stephen. He says, but he being full of the Holy Spirit gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. Wow. Those verses are incredibly important to us, friends. Incredibly important. And one reason why is because they remind us that God is so very close to us all the time. All the time. How far away is heaven? How far away is heaven? (laughs) You know, we tend to think it's on the other side of that vast universe out there someplace, don't we? That's kind of the way some people have thought about it. We, we, We think it's a long, long, long way away interesting, Fox News reported that the most distant galaxy that we can see anyway right now is 13.1 billion light years away. To get an idea of that distance, our whole solar system from the Sun core out to Pluto out there, way out there, is about 11 light hours away. Now that's about seven and a half billion miles. Now think about 11 light hours in our solar system compared to a galaxy of 13 billion light years. You know, we live, live in an incredibly big universe, don't we? But when it comes to God's heaven, don't think about distance, think about or dimensions. Think, the best I can tell you is the Supreme Court of the Jews They were maybe meeting inside with this trial, and this trial occurred. And the the Talmud says that the Sanhedrin met in this room attached to the temple. But God just pulled back the curtain. He pulled back the curtain. (laughs) boy. And and our dimension. and, And let Stephen look into heaven. Imagine that. And the same thing's true if it did it outside, whether it was inside or outside. God just pulled back that curtain and Stephen could look over into heaven. Everything about, that we understand about space is going to unravel one day when the Lord comes back. I guarantee you that. The universe is vast. it really beyond our imagination, isn't it? But, but that doesn't matter to God. It's not a primary thing. One day he's going to roll the whole thing up like a scroll, isn't he? Revelation 16, or 6, 12, and 17 tells us that. And Isaiah 34, 4 says, all the hosts of heaven shall be dissolved, and their heavens shall be rolled up like a scroll. All their hosts shall fall down as the leaf falls from the vine, and as the fruit falling from a fig tree. Hebrews 1, 8 through 12 talks about Jesus folding up the universe like a coat. It says, But to the Son, He says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness, is a scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain, and they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will fold them up, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not fail. Yeah, Listening to those and bearing those scriptures in mind, we know that it's It's nothing for God to pull back the curtain. He can do anything. Nothing is impossible with God. And let us see into heaven. That's what he did for Stephen. And when God does that, we see that he's not really that far away from us, is he? He's right there, right there. Close enough for us to see him standing and smiling to welcome us home. You know, these verses remind us that God is close. He's right there with us. It also reminds us that God cares. (laughs) God's busy, isn't he? I mean, if anybody's busy, God is busy. But, But he wasn't too busy to pay attention to what was going on in Stephen's life right then. And you know what? He's not too busy to see what's going on in your life today. A guy named Kenneth Sauer explained, this is something to keep in mind. God is always present when one of his dear children is facing a crisis. He always is present. Stephen had the promise of Christ, and so do we. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the earth. And and in Stephen's moment of greatest trouble, God gave Stephen the most precious testimony. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. Can you imagine that? I mean, wow. Stephen could have said, oh, there he is. There he is, you know, right there. God wants us to have that same consciousness of the closeness of God and how much he cares for us. You see, we need that consciousness. And we also need Stephen's character. The most wonderful thing about Stephen is that he had a heart like the Lord's heart. Stephen was, uh, well, maybe a little like Jesus in a way, a little bit. And and we see that truth in a couple of ways. Uh, Verse 57 to 60, it says, Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And witnesses laid down their clothes at his feet, at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen. And as he was calling on God, Lord, just receive my spirit. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Sound familiar? Verse 59 reminds us Stephen was a little bit like Jesus in his faith. They stoned Stephen, and he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. That sounds a lot like the things Jesus said, wasn't it? Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Stephen trusted God, just as the Son of God trusted the Heavenly Father. And Stephen knew he was going to a better place, right? He knew he was going to be where Jesus is. And Stephen was willing to die for Jesus because he knew Jesus died for him. Stephen knew that Jesus is the only son of God. The only just one who died on the cross for our sins. Stephen also knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus rose again from the dead and he knew that heaven was waiting on the other side for him because Jesus had forgiven him of his sins and given him eternal life. Are you there? Are you there? Stephen trusted the Lord even to the death and that's the kind of faith we all need. We all need that faith. Stephen was like Jesus in his faith and his forgiveness. In verse 60, you know, when they, he said, he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not cha- charge them with this sin. And when he said this, he fell asleep. Remember the words in Luke? Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. <laughs> what a way to go. <laughs> Man, what a way to go. There's nothing more powerful Stephen was actually filled with compassion for his killers. He wanted them to be saved too. And and, and you know, remember uh, who was there in verse 58, giving approval of Stephen's death, none other than Saul of Tarsus. The terrible persecutor who uh, also will be saved in Acts chapter (laughs) 9. Saul became the great apostle, Paul. You see? God answered Stephen's prayer to forgive his murderers. He did. Faith like Stephen's is contagious. It is. And forgiveness like Stephen's is contagious. And it can help us reach the hardest cases that he puts in front of us. Listen, just a little bit more about, about a report from Syria. Uh, amid the chaotic civil war and tragedy in Syria, Christian churches continue to spread the hope in the face of hopelessness. Before the outbreak of the war, the evangelical church in one of Syria's largest cities had several services a week for, for worship and prayer. Today, it holds twice as many services and most are standing room only. <laughs> There are many encouraging stories of Muslims coming to know Christ in a variety of ways. More than 70 Muslim families have turned to Christ in an area of Syria where only a dozen or so were just a short time ago. (laughs) And it happened because some Christians who are standing in the shoes of Stephen. Church, that's where we need to stand too. We need to stand in those shoes. (laughs) <laughs> you know, th- this kind of came to me. You know, we we, we think there's all of this stuff, and w- we can pray for all kinds of things. What about the guy on the cross next to Jesus? How does the thief on the cross fit into your theology? <laughs> I-, I mean, I think a lot of times we complicate the issue of getting into heaven. We complicate the gospel more than intended. What's required? Think about the thief on the cross. No baptism, no communion, no confirmation, no speaking in tongues, no mission trips, no volunteerism, no church clothes. He couldn't even bend his knees to pray. He didn't say a sinner's prayer, among other things. He was a thief. And he knew it. Jesus didn't take away his pain, heal his body, or smite the scoffers that were out there. Yet it was a thief who walked into heaven that same hour that Jesus did. Hmm. Simply by believing. He had nothing more to offer than his belief and his soul to Jesus. That Jesus was who he said he was. No spin from brilliant theologians. No ego or arrogance. No shiny lights or skinny jeans or crafty words. No haze machine or donuts or coffee in the entrance. Just a naked man on a cross, unable to even fold his hands to pray. Friends, (laughs) For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son (laughs) so that whosoever believed in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. I, I read this today and I'm reminded of the simplicity of the gospel, the simplicity. We need Stephen's courage. We need his commitment. We need his consciousness, and we need his character. And we need to stand firm in the truth, no matter what we face. Let's ask for those things as we go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you this day knowing that the commitment to you is of eternal life, gift back. May we see that the things of this world are secondary and and useless compared to your, your commitment, Lord. May we see that standing firm and witnessing to you, even in discomfort and stress and struggles, is where we need to be, Lord. Because beyond it it is a joy and a hope far beyond anything we can imagine. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that we can walk by faith and in the strength of your love and your word. In Jesus' precious name, amen.